Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Because all these men who have seen my glory 
and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers. Nor shall any of those who rejected me see it, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Joshua 14, verse 6. Then the Lord, then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh and the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I'm sorry, this is Kadesh Barnea. That gets me every time, I'm sorry. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back a word to him as it was in my heart. Somebody say, as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me, it made their hearts melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while in Israel, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am, 85 years old, and yet I am strong this day, on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going and, and going out and coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain, somebody say, give me this mountain, of which the Lord spoke that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became an inheritance to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Well, praise God. That was a lot of reading, but... I want to give you a little background on Caleb. Because if you if you look at the children of Israel, the you know, the story is pretty much, you know, about Moses and Joshua. See, Moses had the pedigree, you know, on paper, he had the pedigree of, you know, a leader. He was he was born an Israelite, amen. But he was raised an Egyptian. Like he had the resume. Like, look at my resume. I, I speak both languages. I know both cultures. You know, Joshua kind of looked like the Rock. You know, he was he was a, he was the man. He was a leader of men. He was the one that said, "Be ye strong and courageous." You know, he was he had a man's. He, he was just a leader. But this dude named Caleb just sneaks into the story somehow. We don't really know how he sneaks in. He just sneaks in because the Bible says he has a different spirit. He's like, "Oh yeah, that Caleb, that Caleb," because he has a different spirit. Let him come in too. And so I wanted to figure out what was it about Caleb, amen, that gave him a different spirit, amen. But it was his name. He had a devoted heart. And so I wanted to, I wanted to see the attributes that someone with a devoted heart, and how they follow God, amen. And so the first thing that I found out about Caleb was that he was different. He was different. He was cut a little different, amen. 
You know, when you go to a city and you want to eat something, you don't eat. If you're traveling, you're a tourist, you don't go to a different city and go to McDonald's. I mean, unless you just have to. But you want to, you want to try something that you can't get at home. Something that's different, you know? You go to Nashville, you want to get some Nashville hot chicken or something like that. You know what I mean? You know, if you get, if you get enough courage, you go to Memphis. I mean, I don't know. Anybody from Memphis? <laughs> you want to try some barbecue, you know? You want something that's different. We embrace things in life that are different. We want things that are different. God is no different. He wants a different heart, a different spirit. When he, when he promotes people, when he promotes David to become king, it was because David was different. When he promotes Esther, it's because Esther was different. Everybody, the three Hebrew boys, they were different. You don't get promoted by looking like everybody else. Amen? Devoted hearts are different. Be different. Somebody say, be different. You know, before, before I, um, my last, you know, a few years ago, I was a police officer. Before I, before I left it. Um, uh, uh, it, it, was, it was one of the, it was an interesting job, you know? Being a police officer, you know, I, it was my first job out of college, you know, and it was the first job to call me. Typically, the first job to call you, you know, is because they need you, you know. <laughs> and so I realized real quickly, real fast, that I didn't have time for it. I would go to a call and be like, I don't have time today. I don't have time for this today. My very first, I kid you not, my very first call out of the police academy, my very first call was a 20, 20 people were fighting in the street. And my training officer was with me. Now, before we left the station, he told me, he said, today is your training day. Don't do anything. You're just here to observe and learn, okay? You just watch me and learn the protocols and the policies and just learn. So we put into this fight. There's 20 people in the car, 20 people in the street fighting. He runs out and jumps right to the middle of it. I lean against the car, get my water out. I'm watching and observing. I don't have time for this today. I don't have time for this. I didn't stretch, you know. And and he, we get in the car. He's all bruised up and sweating. He's got blood. He's like, all right, Kevin, listen, listen, listen. I know I told you that, that today is observation day. But if you've ever seen me fighting 20 people, you have to help me. I said, my bad, man. I got you next time. I got you next time. There were calls like that all the time. Like there was one where it was a guy that was threatening, threatening to shoot the first police officer that arrived on scene. So we're all going emergency lights because he won't leave. He's, I'm going to shoot the first police officer that shows up. And so we, our, my supervisor starts doing, you know, a little officer safety thing. He wants to know who's going to be the first officer to show up. He's like, so he's like, everybody, tell me your ETA. When are you going to arrive on scene? And everybody's like, 15 minutes, 12, 8, 10. I look at my GPS, his series like, the destination is on your left. I was like, the devil is alive. I drove right past. That's it. I'm gonna try to be fourth or fifth. Fourth or fifth. I can be fifth. I can be fifth at this. I don't have time for this today. I don't have my coffee. I don't have time for this today. I don't have time. Like, and then you go to the most dirtiest places. Like, you go to dirty places and you just walk in there and it, it could be any call. I remember one was a domestic. This guy's wife kept hitting him in the head with a frying pan. So he called me and he's like, hey man, she, she, she was tiny though. I mean, she was like, he's like, hey man. She keeps hitting me in the frying pan, blah, blah, blah. But I notice while I'm taking the report, you keep scratching, you know? 
Like, you know, I'm like, pause, man. Like, hold on, hold on. Like, why are you scratching? Like, you got mosquitoes or stuff? He said, no, this house is infested with, sca with scabies. Well, see, I didn't know what scabies was. I had to Google, I said, I said hold, hold your thought right there. I, I pulled up my phone, I Googled scabies. And I saw a picture of scabies. If you ever Google a picture, uh, a picture of what scabies looks like, it is horrifying. Immediately, my whole body began to itch. And I said, man, y'all gonna have to try Jesus in here. I said, I don't have time for this today. And don't call me back over here or everybody's going to jail, okay? Don't ever call me back over here again, ever again. Do not call between the hours of six and two, okay? Do not call ever again. And I said, I don't have time for this today. And I realized that, that was like every call I was going on to. I was like, I don't have time for this today. And I, I, didn't, I don't have time. But there was an officer named Officer Osuna. He was different. He was the best police officer that I've ever seen. He was the one that if, you know, you go to a car wreck, he jumps in and opens car doors and starts doing CPR all while I'm trying to figure out what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. I remember one time we, there was a, there was a girl, there was a girl who had gotten intoxicated and jumped into the, the, the Cumberland River. And he was, we're going to the car together and he's like getting undressed because he's going to jump in the Cumberland River. He's like, come on, let's go. I was like, I'm not jumping in the Cumberland River for nobody. Forever in life. You know, the Cumberland River, no. But he jumped in and got, he, he got in a whole war for it. But he was completely different. If you called the police, you wanted Officer Osuna to show up. If I showed up, if I had time that day, I could come. But if I did not have time, you had to try Jesus. And so, what made him special is what he was, that he was different. What, when, you call, when you call a police officer, you want, trust me, you want the one that is different. And, and, and when God is calling us, he wants the one that is different. He wants people who are different. Caleb, what made him so different, he jumped onto the scene in, in the story of, of God, has, a, God has, a, has chosen people who are the Israelites. He says, I want to prepare a place for them that's flowing with milk and honey. I got a land for them. Amen? I want them to be able to go to this land. This is going to be their new home. This is going to be their new home. But they were just formerly slaves, but he says, I want to make this their home. So just like being born again, once you become born again, you become a new, a new creation. A new creation. Amen? You become a new creature. But you're going to have to be devoted to God to learn and receive a new revelation of who that person is. Amen? These Israelites had to get a new revelation from becoming, going from slaves to royalty. And so, before they go on to the land, because God is not going to put you at your destiny, amen, without knowing who you are. Before they can go into the promised land, God sends 12 spies. One of those spies happened to be Caleb. Ten other ones went up there with them and Joshua. The ten looked at the promised land that was already their land, that God already promised them and said, Nah, man, we're watching these dudes. These dudes, these dudes look like linebackers up here, man. We're not going to be able to go up here and just conquer these dudes. Caleb says, Hold on, hold on, hold on. I say we go up at once right now. I think we're strong enough. That statement right there, God says, all I need to know about Caleb right there. He's different. I can take him to the promised land. 
I can take him because he's different. I can take this Caleb because he's because he sees what I see. Amen. When he looks at this promise, like he sees what I see. God wants people that sees what he sees. Amen. When you're devoted, you spend time with them, you see what he sees. Caleb understood the plan. The next thing was Caleb understood the plan of God on his life. He embraced the plan of God. He embraced the plan of God on his life. When you're devoted to him, you embrace the plan of God in your life. Every single person that the Bible mentions goes through a season where they, they, they begin to wrestle with, with the plan of God for their life because, because this plan is always bigger than your plan. It's always bigger than your plan. Somebody say that God's plan is bigger than my plan. The Bible says, in a man's heart is his way. I, I, I got his steps, amen? I love how Caleb is living out of his heart. He says, I gave, I gave a report that was in my heart. I wasn't trying to be religious or extra spiritual. I gave a report that was in my heart. When we're falling after God's plan, we're, we're going after something that he's already put on the inside of our hearts, amen? And so, you know, me, me growing up, one of the things, my biggest thing is, is I had my own plan in life, you know? When I was your age, I had my own plan. And when we have our own plan, it's a plan that's in our head, it's not in our heart. It's in your head, it's a good idea, you know? You know, in seventh grade, I, uh, I was playing football and I broke a kid's face mask. We ran into each other, I, drew, I broke his face mask. And right then and there, I said, you know what? I'm going to NFL. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I'm, that's it's, it's done. Like I know, I know, I know the plan. You know, I said I am going to the NFL, and literally, I promise you not. From the age of twelve, starting the age of twelve, I literally dreamed every night. I kid you not. Every night, I go to bed and I dream. My dream was to play in the NFL. If I was sitting in this this little this little uh, 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 area right here, I'll be sitting somewhere back in there and somebody be up talking, but I would be thinking in my head about running a play or hearing a crowd roar. It was, it was the plan for my life, you know? I didn't, I didn't care what, whatever God had for me. That's the plan that I wanted, you know? And I would go into school, I would go to school, and you know, I, I didn't care about school, so I was going to the league. I didn't, I, I'm going to the league. History, Pearl Harbor. I'm, I'm, I'm going to the league. You want me to carry the one? No. I'm, I'm going to the league. What do you mean? No. Like you know. And I literally, me and my teammates, literally, we would wake up every day during the summertime, every day, and we would literally go to the field house and do stadium steps and go to the weight room and and we would run and train every day. My, when, when my mom tried to punish me one day, my punishment was I couldn't go train. She said, you, you can't go to the good house today. I'm not taking it. She's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I'm trying to buy you a house. <laughs> You're missing out. Not me. You're missing out. And so that was my everyday. It, was, it became my identity. It became, it became who I was. And it had temporary fulfillment in my life. And so finally, but how many know your plan can't fulfill you forever? Your plan is not fulfilling. It can't fulfill you forever. It's not, it's not permanent fulfillment. Only his plan is permanent fulfillment. 
And so I got to the point where I finally got to college. I'm on a college football field, and I remember this depressing feeling where I finally realized, man, like this doesn't fulfill me anymore. And But I didn't know how to quit because this is all I know. This is my identity. This is who I am. I would call my dad after every practice. And finally, he said, I'm listening to you talk. You don't love it no more. And I was like, man, I, I really don't. I don't dream about it at night anymore. I don't, I don't daydream about it anymore. I, it's, not, it's not who I am anymore, but I don't know who else I am. Have you ever put your identity into something that was not the plan? Put your whole identity into something that was not the plan. And I, I said, man, this is, I don't remember, me and my life, I don't remember being 18, 19, and 20 years old. Because those were my years of being depressed because I didn't know anything else. I lived my whole life to be something that was not my plan. I didn't know anything. All I know, I, I've been an athlete my entire life. I don't know anything else. And it wasn't until I staggered through life and stumbled through life and I finally came to God and I said, you know what? I want to do whatever you want me to do. I don't care what it is, whatever you want me to do, I, just want, I don't have to have my name up on lights. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I want to do. I want your plan for my life. I don't want anything else. Your plan is all I want for my life. And I found the first thing that God does when you accept his plan is he causes everything around you to prosper. Everything you put your hands to, he causes it to prosper. I found it in my own life. That any, anything my, me and my wife ever started, business or anything, they always prosper. Anything I put my hands to, it prospers. Then I, the next thing he does, he begins, he begins to speak to you about your specific calling and who he's calling you to and, and the anointing that's on your life. There's, so, there's an anointing on your life that you're the only one that can do it like you do it. When you do that through him, you're doing it almost as if God himself is doing it. There is an anointing on your life that only you can do, but it's only in the plan. And you know what came full circle to me? My, one of the ones I trained with, he ended up going into the NFL and playing seven years. And I never thought about it until he called me one day. He called me recently. He just retired. He called me recently. And he said, you know what? I scored the touchdowns. I played on Monday Night Football. I heard the crowd roar, and it didn't fulfill me. Wow. He said, he said, now... I'm trying to understand, is, is that, was that it? He said, was that all that this life had to offer me? And he, all he was trying to do was understand the plan. He said, and I was so humbled that he called me. He could have called Hall of Famers. He could have called the other NFL players. He, he had big connections. He could have called anybody. He said, I want to I come to your church Sunday. I want to I, I know the plan on my life. That wasn't the plan. It didn't fulfill me. I heard the crowds roar. I heard everything. I heard, I heard, I scored on Monday Night Football. I wore the uniform. It didn't fulfill me. It wasn't his plan. Only his plan can fulfill you. That's the only thing in life that will ever fulfill you is his plan. And his plan is always bigger than your plan. When I'm thinking about the plan on your life, it's always, it's, it's that story with Peter on the boat throwing his net overboard in shallow water and God, and Jesus is like, no, move back farther, move back farther. You gotta launch out into the deep. My plan is always bigger than your plan. Your plan is always simple-minded. You came up with your plan. 
You came up with it, not, not me. My plan is bigger. And it's, and it's going to be more fulfilling. It's actually going to be something that fulfills you in life. And so the greatest thing you can ever do in this life is, is literally tell God, I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. I'm devoted, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I don't want my plan, I want your plan in my life. I want your plan, amen? The next thing was, Caleb knew who he was. Dude said, I'm 85 years old, I'm still ready for smoke. When an 85-year-old man says, I'm still ready to fight, be very afraid. Caleb said, I'm still ready for war. I'm 80, I know who I am. I can still drive out a whole town of people. He knew who he was, amen? And I love how we have, again, Peter and Jesus. Peter had to figure out who he was by his devotion with Jesus, amen? He literally tells Jesus, Jesus asks him, who do men say that I am, amen? And Peter looks up and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, amen? And Jesus tells Peter, he says, no human told you that. Only heaven told you that. And because heaven told you that, I'm going to tell you who you are now. He says, from here on out, you are Peter, amen? You are a rock. I know you've been tripping, but you are a solid rock. It was almost as if finding out and spending devotion with Jesus and figuring out who he was, heaven revealed to him who he was. If you're going to be devoted, it's going to lead to figuring out who you are, amen? It's going to lead to figuring out exactly who you are in this life. The devil's biggest plan for your life is that you never figure out who you are. That you live this entire life. We go to your funeral and everything, and you lived an entire lifespan and never knew who you were. You lived an entire lifespan living who other people told you you were. Living lives from other people who, who had no clue who you were. It wasn't from your maker, it was from other people, it was from society. You lived a whole lie your entire life. That's the devil's plan for every single person's life. Because when you ever find out who you are, if you ever find out who you are, you become unstoppable. You become unbeatable. If you ever find out who you are, you become unbeatable in this lifetime. Jesus is the perfect Savior. He is the perfect Savior. Can, can I break it down for you real quick? He is the perfect Savior. Because he's, because he's so much man and he's so much God. He's man enough to understand you, but God enough to save you. He's man enough to go to the Lazarus' tomb and cry, but he's God enough to say, roll away the stone. He's man enough to say, if there be another way, let this cup pass me by, but he's God enough to say it's finished, amen? He is, he understands every single thing that you can ever go through in this lifetime. He understands, there's not one thing that you can go through that he says, I, I don't understand it. I understand every single thing. I'm touched with the feelings of your infirmity. I know every single thing in this lifetime that you will ever go through. And one thing the devil always does, he wants to test you on your identity. I want to challenge you on who you are. I want to challenge you on who you are. Those, ten, those spies that went up there, they were all challenged on who they were. Only two came away knowing, winning the test. Whenever the devil wants to stop you, he challenges you on your identity. Candace spoke about it earlier, about Adam and Eve. They're sitting there in the garden, already created the image and likeness of God. What does the devil do? Comes up so subtle. If you're really created like God, 
If you if you if you really if he really made you like he says he did. Right. Go eat this fruit real quick. You'll be just like him. The minute they needed to his voice, they told God, we believe his version of our identity over yours. Here we go, fast forward, generations later. We got the second Adam, Jesus. Before he does one miracle, before he, before he feeds any person with, with, with fried fish and loaves, before he does anything, the Bible says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Because there was this one test that Jesus had to overcome that Adam and Eve could not overcome. It was to be tested on their identity. The devil comes and his every single, every single temptation is if you're really the son of God. If you're really the son of God. If you're really the son of God. And I love, the Bible says that he was tested. You can't, you can't test me with broccoli and carrots. But if you get some macaroni and cheese with those cheesy strings on it, with the, I'm talking about, you pull it up with the spoon, they got that, that, that white and yellow cheese, I'm tempted. I'm tested. The Bible says the whole, it, was, it was in the plan that he'd be tested on who he was. And he comes out and he almost just trolls the devil because Adam Eve heeded to his voice. But he says, but, but he sees, but it's the first temptation. He says, no, no, no. I don't live by bread alone, but by, by, by every voice, by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I only listen to his voice. I don't listen to you. I only listen to his voice about who I am. I don't listen to nobody else but him. That's the only voice I take into account when it comes to my identity. That's the only voice. It's almost, and it's not just knowing who you are, but it's also knowing who you're not. Because your own behavior sometimes, your own past can tell you this is who you are. I love the story about Dr. Jacobs, who's in a drug house with needles in his arms, comes out and says, this ain't me, I'm going back home. In a drug house with drug needles, but no longer a, dr no, no longer a drug addict. In this life, you've got to know who you are just as much as you've got to know who you're not. Because the devil will put people in your life to show you this is who you are. He will, have, he will tell you about your behavior and your past and say, this is who you are. This is who you are. His whole, his whole trap in this life is to tell you, this is who you are. My key is to be so devoted to him. So devoted to him that heaven can reveal to me who I am. The third thing that, the fourth thing that, that Caleb did is Caleb said, Caleb wants, Caleb saw things like God saw. He saw a mountain, amen. And he said, give me this mountain. You know, when Jesus was telling parables, his big thing, I learned about, I learned about parables, is that a parable is different than uh, a story. Jesus could have preached any kind of way he wanted to. He could have he could have opened up the Old Testament and gave us lectures. He could have preached any way he wanted to while he was on earth. He could have got put on a Baptist robe and, and said, I'm Mary's baby, Joseph's maybe. You know, he could have said anything. He could, he, could, he, could he could have preached in any way that he wanted to. I'm, I'm sure it was fire. It would have been fire. You know. But he says, you know what? I'm going to preach in parables. 
the cool thing about parables is that they're different than a story. And, and, and a story, a story is a beginning, middle, and end. A parable is an illustration to get you to see a picture. And so when Jesus was preaching in parables, he's, he's not just telling you a story, he's trying to get you to see an image. And so the whole time, every time he's preaching, the whole goal is for you to see an image of who you are. You got to see a picture of him leaving 99 sheep and coming after you to understand his love. You got, you got to see the, 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 the prodigal son being embraced by the father even though he didn't do anything right. You got, to, you, got to, you got to see it to understand it. And so we have Caleb right here who's literally, if you look at this mountain, if you look at this mountain, the mountain is already occupied. People are, there's no for sale sign up there. And in the natural eye, you look at it and say, Caleb, they ain't, bro, that ain't your mountain, bro. They, they're already up there, man. But Caleb was looking through his heart. He's looking through his heart. The Bible says, listen, the pure, are the pure in heart, but they shall see God. When, when, it, when, it, when it's a heart thing and, and, and I'm, I'm devoted with my heart, I, I see things a little bit differently. I see things differently. So Caleb, so Caleb, he says, give me this mountain, even though it's already occupied, it doesn't look like it's his mountain. There's, there's things in his life that don't look like they're yours. They don't look like they're yours. You don't have enough experience. You don't you come from the right family. You don't look the part. You ain't good enough. Some of you ain't even talented enough. But God, but God said it's already yours. And I'm going to say, can you see what I see? Can you see what I see? When, Caleb, when we see the mountain is occupied, when Caleb sees the mountain is already his. That, but that's because he's devoted. And, I, and the problem with this, in this, in this generation is it's, we have it's this TikTok, it's this self-centered, I want everything so easy, I want everything with no commitment, no devotion. We have so many people who are believing for a mountain but don't have any devotion. They want, they want a return but no investment. I, I, I want him to be big, but I don't want to follow him fully. I don't want to be bold about him at the lunch table. I'm too scared to be who, I, who, I really, who he really created me to be, but I want the mountain, though. We have this backwards generation where everybody wants something so big, but they, don't want, they want to put as little commitment, a little devotion as possible to him. The mountain is not for people who are, not, who, who are scared. The mountain is not for people who are fearful. It's not for half-hearted, lukewarm people. It's only for those who are devoted. Quit asking for mountains if you're not going to put in the, the time, the, the devotion in life. Quit asking for things that you didn't put no investment into. This thing is for people that are devoted. Mountains are for people that are devoted. It's for the one that subdued kingdoms and shut the mouths of lions. It's for the ones who, who through faith and patience inherited the promise. It's for those who aren't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's who the mountains are for. Quit asking for mountains with no investment in this life. I just wonder, is there any young people in this place, any young people that I know in this generation that said, I'm not afraid to be sold out for Jesus. I'm not afraid to be at the lunch table and say, I love Jesus. I'm not afraid of the people at the lunch table. I'm devoted. I'm here for the promise. Amen. I'm here to see him be God. I want to see him be big. If you're going to live this life, at least see him be big. See him be big in your life. Don't ask 
worth a mountain if you're not going to put him in devotion. The reason Caleb gets the mountain is because he's devoted. That mountain represents God's best. That mountain represents everything they said you couldn't do. That mountain represents everything nobody in your family was able to do. That's what that mountain represents. It represents God's best. When Jesus spoke about the mountain, he was speaking about it in the realm of impossibility. That mountain represents everything that the devil told you was impossible. And he says, I'm only giving that to those who are devoted. If you can't be devoted, don't ask me for a mountain. Dress like them, look like them, go talk like them, be just like them, be normal, be average. But if you want the mountain, amen, you're going to have to be devoted. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media. 